0: Can somebody give me some good news tonight? Somebody got a blessing? Somebody? Yes, sir. My uncle of Norman in England, 97, got, had surgery last week for cancer, and so did, I got to fix breakfast for his wife this morning. Praise the Lord. Amen. Boy, I'll tell you what, they just don't make them like that anymore, do they? Man, think of that. Praise 97 years old, just had cancer surgery and getting up and fixing breakfast. I want what he's got. Good hard day's work to do it, won't it? But boy, you ever notice you go to hospital and you're supposed to go there to heal, you can't get no sleep. But uh, no, how anyway. Well, somebody else, praise the blessing. See, yes, sir. That is great. I know that's an encouragement. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? I'm giving y'all a chance to shorten up the message tonight. Yes, sir. Amen. Ain't nothing like it, is there? All might change, but Jesus never. I'm thankful. Um, I've been listening to some old messages. How many of you ever heard B.R. Lakin? You ever heard B.R. Lakin preach? Great orator, great preacher. He was from Big Sandy, West Virginia. And... uh, Oh, I need to turn my microphone on. And uh, he was quite a preacher. And uh, he had some, if you ever listen to him, you need to try to listen. And he, He's got a, a message on there that he preached. He preached it just years, probably months before he passed. But he preached on heaven. You can find it on YouTube, BR Lake in heaven. He's an older, he's in a, I mean, electric blue suit. You, you can't miss it. And, uh, you can find it on YouTube, but he gives his testimony in the near the end of that. And, uh, the way he gives his testimony is just a powerful thing. He talked about how when he got saved, the night he got saved and where he got saved and a little old country church in West Virginia. But you get a chance. You want to hear a good message. You need to listen to that, but you need to hear his testimony. I've heard it so many times. He said it in such a powerful way. Uh, that reminded me of that when you said that, Brother Eric. So anyway, that's food for thought. Uh, how many of you got your Bible with you tonight? Has everybody got it? Well, how about you open them with me to the book of John, the gospel according to John. And we're going to look at a very familiar passage of scripture tonight. And uh, I normally don't, I'm normally not on my phone a lot, but I've been getting some texts in. And, that, and, and again, that's a good thing because I, I have a very short memory and uh, it's bad. If I don't write something down, uh, I will sometimes forget. But, uh, and so anyway, Miss is just keeping me updated on her mom. So let's just continue. I haven't, uh, we just need to keep praying for all of these dear precious folks. All right. Uh, John chapter 14. I know you know this passage well, but verse number one, here's what the Bible says. Let not your heart be troubled. Now, you know, we read that because we know what's getting ready to come. But really, that's what I want to focus on tonight is that first phrase. Sometimes we read that and we want to get to the good stuff. But let not your heart be troubled. Well, why did God say that? Why did the Lord Jesus, as he's talking to these disciples at this moment, what has he told them that would cause them for him to have to say to them, now look, don't let your heart be troubled. So obviously, if we was to go back, in chapter number 13, and read it, and even the times before that, the Lord gave them some heavy, heavy stuff. Heavy stuff. So we'll talk about it tonight, but let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way, you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. And how can we know the way? And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Let not your heart be troubled. I want to just talk tonight on just simply this. The matter of the heart. A heart issue. A heart trouble maybe. We could call it heart trouble. By the way, heart trouble, cardiac issues, I'm told is the number one killer in America. That's what that good old cholesterol will do for you. Somebody say amen. That's what all that good food that we all like eating down here to fry. That's what all that fried catfish will do for us. All that good, heavy, deep, I mean, where the grease is just oozing out of that. That's why down here in the South, it, that cardiac heart attacks is the number one killer. Did y'all know that? I know we got some medical professional people in here, and they're back there shaking their head and grinning with me. Whether I'm right or not, she's going to make me feel like I'm right. But I can promise you this. It is the number one killer spiritually, heart trouble. I don't need to be a doctor to know that. And it's a a problem of all mankind, but here's the thing, it doesn't have to be. I'm going to confess some of my physical faults to y'all. The last time I went and had my blood work, I was tickled about my sugar. My A1Cs had dropped, but my cholesterol was bad. So my doctor said, you got to get on that. And so I, I'm getting on it. I just went out and got Mexican right after that. Amen. (laughs) The Bible does say, I got to read something else to y'all. I I, I need a little bit of laughter tonight. Y'all need laughter. Hey, listen, I've done enough crying. I've done more crying this month. Can I share this with you? A friend from West Virginia. I don't know what all this means. He texted me the other day. He said, the Bible says a merry heart doeth kill like a medicine. So let me put a smile on your face this morning. I had a dream last night. I had a dream. One of those very vivid ones. You came to Bell Point to preach. Only the building wasn't ours. There was a huge screen right behind the pulpit on a huge platform. After you preached their special singing, some of it was live, but some of it was on video played on the screen. You even had 8 to 10 hula dancers off to one side. Man, was there a great spirit. That place was a buzz, and when the dream ended, I felt refreshed. He said, I don't know what all that means, but it was, sure was a good one. And all I responded back said, well, that's hilarious. That's good stuff. Yes, I needed to laugh. But thank you for sharing. Maybe we need to start a hula ministry. <laughs> Not. Come on now. Some of you need to laugh a little bit. But. Um, the Bible talks about the heart. The heart. It's the center of your being. When God refers to your heart, it's the fountain from which all of your desires and actions flow. It's your innermost being. It's who you are. It's your heart. Not just talking about that three or four pound organ or just the puncture. When God speaks of the heart, he's talking about your innermost being. The fountain of everything that comes from your life. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 15... Verse number 18, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile the man. Verse 19, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, and blasphemies. So the heart of the human problem is really the problem of the heart. And God, the Lord Jesus says to the disciples here, let not your heart Be troubled. Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7 says this. For as he thinketh in his heart. Wait a minute now. You think with your brain. Is God making a mistake there? No. Talk about the very most inner part of our being. When you. The Bible says. Whatsoever man thinketh in his heart. So is he. You're nothing more. Nothing less today. Than what you are in your heart. Your innermost being. Look. Your ticker. That three or four pound muscle that you have in your body might be fine today. But here's my question. Do we have spiritual heart disease? We talk about heart disease. That's the narrowing of the the, the arteries, the plaque, the cholesterol. starts to cause this this deteriorating of this heart from pumping and, and getting the blood to your body. We call that heart disease. But I want to say the Bible talks so much about the heart. Look at what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 6 verse 5. talking about an evil heart. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Genesis chapter 45 verse 26. And told him saying Joseph is yet alive. And he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted. And believe them not. So God talks about a a fainting heart. An evil heart. What about a hard heart? The Bible says in Exodus chapter 4. And the Lord said unto Moses, when thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thine hand, but I will harden his heart. That he shall not let the people go. Now think of that. God said he would harden it. And we see a little bit more of that in the New Testament, the book of Romans. But we talk about a hard heart. Think about a hateful heart. A hateful heart. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 17. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thy heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. So we talk about a hateful heart. What about a discouraged heart? Does God say anything about a discouraged heart? Numbers 32. For when they went up into the valley of Eshcol and saw the land. And I preached on this Sunday night. They discouraged the heart. Of the children of Israel that they should not go into the land which the Lord had given them. You know, your heart can be discouraged. You can let somebody else discourage your heart, your innermost being. These ten men discouraged a whole nation. The Bible said they had discouraged hearts because of the report that these ten men give. So we understand a discouraged heart. What about a proud heart? The Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy, And thou say in thine proud heart, my power, and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. Proud heart. In other words, not giving glory to God or giving the power to God. I love when we had our prayer vigil here for a little stone. You know, that was our prayer. We wanted to pray unselfishly. Yes, we missed a little stone, but even Brother Larry so eloquently described that in his prayer. Of course, he wasn't trying to eloquently describe it to us. He's praying to the Lord. But the prayer was, Lord, we don't want to pray that anybody here gets the glory. This is all about you and your will. This is not about us. It's not about our pride. It's not about our selfishness. But we can have that. The Bible says that they had a proud heart. They they bragged about their wealth. Then we see a deceived heart in the book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 11, verse 16. Take heed to yourselves that your heart... Be not deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Do you know that people can be deceived? By the way, the men that flew those planes in the Twin Towers, their hearts were deceived. They were told that if they kill American people, which they anyone of the Western world or anyone that's not a, a Muslim or an Islam that believes the way they do, they call us infidels. And so their teaching in the Quran is there are, uh, 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 and and they say you have to be a radical Islam. I disagree with that. If you read the Quran, it's in there. Death to the infidel. They They teach to kill someone that does not believe like they do. Now, I'm glad I'm a part of Christianity. We try to persuade people. But could you imagine trying to persuade somebody to get to heaven and then because they said no, then you take their life? Christianity is about persuasion. We can't make anybody do anything. We don't coerce anybody to do anything. Our faith is truly of an individual personal preference and someone's own personal will. But you say, how can someone be deceived? Well, these men spent many years of their time, they had much money, much planning. For these men to get in these planes, to be trained, to be able to get the opportunity to fly these planes, kill over 3,000 people, and they were deceived. They were promised when they did that, the moment they woke up, they would be in paradise. Their hearts were deceived. So look, that's just the first five books of the Bible talking about the heart. What is a troubled heart? The Lord Jesus looked at these disciples that night and said, let not your hearts be troubled. Now, He knew they were troubled. But what does that mean? What does it mean to have a troubled heart? It could mean that our heart, our innermost being is filled with anxiety. It's filled with fear. It's filled with stress. It's filled with worry. The circumstances of life feel like they pile up on us. They heavy our, our heart down. They, heavy our, they just burden down our being. And we carry... That burdensome weight. And by the way, we're all human. We're all going to do it from time to time. You're not unspiritual because you don't have a heavy heart or a a heart that's troubled. These disciples loved him. They had followed him for three and a half years. But yet he knew the news that he just gave them. He knew their hearts were troubled. But he was trying to encourage them. Think about this, when we burden down all of these things in our heart, just as carrying extra weight affects the heart on our bodies. You know, that's the greatest, like I said a moment ago, if you want a more healthy heart, then eat better. We understand that uh, the weight burdens things down, shouldering burdens that we shouldn't uh, really affects each part of our lives, and it does trouble our hearts. But in our text, Jesus had just dropped a bomb on these men. I mean, he just dropped a bomb on them. For in, in other words. Let me just say this. He's told them just moments before. That he is going to be crucified. He told them that. Not only that. He said that he was going to set up. His kingdom on earth. <laughs> He's telling them all this. At this time. as and, and they didn't understand all of that. But then to go another one. This troubled their hearts. Think that they've been with the Lord. They have a certain idea about the Lord. They have no idea that He's going to be crucified. They still don't believe even when He's told them that they're going to be crucified. So they don't understand what's all being said here as the Lord Jesus is talking to them. And then, really, to even trouble their hearts even more, He gets ready to tell one of the twelve, one of the greatest, you're getting ready to betray me. He looks at Peter and says, You're going to deny me. Troubled all of them. Certainly it troubled Peter. He told him that in chapter 13, verses 21 on through. Then he tells them in chapter 13, 31 through 38, that he's going to leave. They don't understand it all. But I'm going to tell you one thing they were troubled they just been hit with a bunch of information they wasn't aware of. They didn't fully understand. And by the way, we all get there. We all have information that's given to us that we don't understand. We did not know. It troubles us. Troubles us. Troubles our heart. But here's what the Lord says. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And let me just say this. This isn't like a, just a little old quick pep talk. Like, oh, keep your chin up, boy. It's not what he's saying here. I just, get your chin. I know you've just been troubled. I know I just gave you some real dark stuff. But just get over it, boys. Get your chin up. That's not what the Lord Jesus said. He said, Look, let not your heart be troubled. Why? He wasn't just patting them on the back and saying, Hey, you'll get over this. It'll be all right. Jesus doesn't tell them what to do. Here's what's beautiful He tells them how to do it. Right there is where you get an amen. How not. To have a troubled heart. Now the Lord Jesus just gave them information. That he knew his heart. Their hearts were troubled. And so he's looking at them now. And saying now look. Let not your heart be troubled. And these next verses. Are the reasons he's telling them. Why they don't have to have a troubled heart. Now we preachers sometimes. And by the way. I can associate myself here. Sometimes we're real bad about telling people what to do. Can I get a witness? I'm pretty good at that telling you what not to do but here's the question do we give you things that are very practicable practical and tangible in ways to get it done well do this well it'd help if you tell me how help me a little bit tell me how to do that pastor well i'm glad god not only tells us what to do he tells us how to do it and we have it right here in this passage now just quickly y'all stay with me we're going to go real fast but the, y'all want a cure for a troubled heart. Y'all troubled tonight. I'm troubled tonight. My heart's troubled. I've got things going on in my mind and things going around that I don't understand. And I'm shocked. And there's things I don't completely wish was exactly the way they were. And so my heart's troubled tonight. And so I, I'm, my ears are pointed for this tonight. Because I, 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 want, I want my heart to not be full of anxiety. I want my heart not to be full of fear, stress, worry, whatever. Here it is. Y'all ready? Simple. Number one, a strong faith. Notice the first word he said to him. Let not your heart be troubled. What was the very next phrase he said? Believe. <laughs> See, we all have faith. The atheist has faith that there is no God, the evolutionist has more faith than any of us to believe that. Somebody say, Amen. I mean, I could much rather believe that the Lord just created us instead of going through that theory. I mean, it takes more faith to believe evolution than just a God created us. I mean, I, y'all ever just looked at the theory of evolution? That thing has changed and morphed through the years. I'm glad I didn't come from some single-cell amoeba. And my only question for all those evolutionists: is if, if apes could talk then, why ain't they talking now? And I know I'm just a dumb old boy from West Virginia. I don't know much. But look, the farmer plants seed in faith that they'll germinate and become a plant. We have faith that spring will eventually come. We have faith, praise God, we believe now falls on its way. Woo! Getting out in that cool morning air. Y'all like that? I do too. It means that tree stand's going to get used a little bit. Hey, the surgeon makes an incision believing by faith that the wound will heal. You pay your insurance with faith that if the time comes, they'll do what they claim to do. Right now you put faith in a pew. You exercise faith each day. Each time you flip flip a light switch on in your house hoping that the light will come on. Hey, I, I exercise faith every time I get in my truck. That it will crank over and the brakes will work. Because I can tell y'all right now, I don't inspect all that when I jump in that truck. Do y'all? Human achievements hinges on faith. See, the world don't want to talk about this. But look, Columbus set sail in faith that there was a new word out there. He had no idea. I mean, they thought the world was flat. So he just sailed out by faith, said, Hey, I'm going to go out here by faith, hoping we're going to hit some land. That would have never been achieved if Christopher Columbus would not have exercised faith and drop out into the unknown. Hey, think about Thomas Edison. Never gave up, even after a hundred of failed attempts, believing that eventually he'd find one that would work. Guess what it was? Bam, the light came on. A light bulb. Took faith. I mean, after hundreds of attempts, he had to keep pressing by faith. Hey, some claim they would get saved, but they don't have enough faith. Romans 12, 3, According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Everybody has faith. It's not about how much faith you have. Now get this. It's about the object of your faith. Did y'all get a hold of that? It's not how much you have, but it matters what you put that in. See, verse 1 says, our faith object is God and Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. You believe in God, believe also in me. Bam, there it is. He said, "There's, there's how you get overcome a troubled heart. You believe me. You believe me, even when you don't feel like it. See, the Jews believed in God, Jehovah, of the Old Testament. And even these disciples he's talking to. They thought of the Father more as God, the Creator. The one who spoke to Abraham and Moses and David. But they are not yet fully computing the facts here, even in their mind, that Jesus is God. They needed to realize that so they could put faith in Jesus as their object. Now, we know he should be the object of our faith. We know he should be. So, you can have faith that the universe came to, and again, this is our evolutionist friends. You can have faith that the universe came to be from an explosion, including human consciousness and self awareness, and that's a whole lot of faith. But here's what's sad about that it's placed, it's put, I think, in a misplaced object. See, when we talk about strong faith, realize it's not the quantity. Get a hold of that. It's not the quantity, but the quality of faith. In other words, the quality is found only in the object. Y'all ready? Simple but powerful. Jesus is worthy of our faith. I mean, who else are we going to turn to? What else are we going to turn to? I mean, everything, everything is a child for me. When I think about my childhood, there was some solids. I mean, there was things that was just solid. There was things that never changed. I mean, I can remember my whole, my whole life, my whole adolescence life, and even all of my teenage years. I did the same thing every Thanksgiving and Christmas for years. Same thing. I went to my grandma Leslie's for supper for lunch and I always went to my grandma Brandon's on both of those. We we did the same thing for all of those years. My grandparents did not pass away till I was well up into my adult years. No one in my family had passed away. All of my teen years, all of my... So I went... And so as a boy, I'm going to be honest with you. I had a lot of faith and some stability there that some things never change. But man, I'm going to tell you something. I learned in life things that you always thought was the same don't always stay the same. Because death comes, change comes. And I learned a great lesson. Even as a young man, I realized, look, all of these things might change. Jesus never. I can. He's worthy of my faith. He doesn't change. He's always there. So why? Hebrews 12 two says this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith. Why is faith in Jesus the cure for a troubled heart? Now this is powerful. As I got to look at this and just thinking about it. Why is he the cure? I really believe he's uniquely qualified. Jesus alone. You say why? Well, number one, he is the God-man. He offers the best of both worlds. Now, y'all stay with me. As a man, he understands my circumstances. As a man, he understands my hurts. As a man, he understood All of the temptations that I go through today. As a man, He understands everything that you're feeling, dealing with, circumstance. So you cannot say, nobody knows how I feel. Jesus does. The Bible says that He was tempted at all points as we are, yet without sin. That was in His manhood. So we cannot say, oh, nobody understands he does why that's the beautiful thing about salvation he became a man he was god yet man so he can understand and even know us to our very weaknesses because he was man himself and he knows everything that we deal with there's not one thing that you've went through that jesus does not understand why he was a man the bible said he was he was tempted at all points that means there's nothing That you've ever went through. That Jesus has not experienced. As a man. He was the God man. He offers the best of both worlds. This is beautiful. He knows how we feel. He knows and understands. He understands pressure. He understands anxiety. He understands discouragement. The Bible said in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was so. We would use the word stressed out. I'm going to say deeper than that. I think he was depressed. He was troubled in soul in so much. The Bible said that he was sweating as great drops of blood. And we know that when someone's body gets under such duress, their heart is so heavy. There is a certain medical condition that can happen that the pressure gets so big in your capillaries. It bursts and you actually do sweat blood. It's very rare. But I believe under the circumstances, Jesus Christ knew what he was facing. And he, and this was a totally different situation he was getting ready to pay for the sins of the whole world and as a man it was heavy to him he understands fleshly weaknesses like we have he was tempted at all points like as we but yet without sin he understands what causes our hearts to be troubled he knows so he's uniquely qualified It's the way God designed it. Jesus Christ was man. So we cannot say, well, the Lord can't help me. He's the only one that can help you. Because he's the only one that fully understands. But then, on the other hand, he's God. Y'all just sit still. You know why that's important? Because he has power to do something about it. <laughs> I can hear a little boy who was up at a place one day up at a church. And he walked in and, and walked in or Something was broken in the bathroom. And I just happened to be walking in. And, and that little boy come walking down and he said, he, he said Can I tell you about this is broken here? He said, Can you do something about it? I said, No, buddy, I can't do nothing about it. I don't work here. What was that little boy wanting to do? He wanted to find somebody that could do something with something that was broken there. And I'm going to be honest with you, if our heart's troubled, I want you to know something. God has the power to do something about it. That's why he's uniquely qualified. See, Jesus knows the problem. And look here, he's the solution. Did y'all get a hold of that? He knows the problem, but yet he's the solution. He knows the problem, yet he is the solution. You know why? He began his ministry by being hungry, yet he's the bread of life. Jesus ended his earthly ministry by being thirsty, yet he's the living water. Jesus was weary, yet he's our rest. Why do you think he was weary? So we can rest in him. Jesus paid tribute, yet he is the King of Kings. Jesus wept. This is what's beautiful though. He's going to wipe all our tears away. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver. Yet he redeemed the whole world. He bought the whole world. Jesus was brought as a lamb to the slaughter. Yet the Bible tells me he's my good shepherd. jesus died yet by his death he destroyed the power of death i don't even have to be scared of dying today because he already defeated it now look i've said this before i don't want to die today but i i'm I'm gonna be honest i i and i know every nobody wants to die i get all that but i think some of this stuff's been smoked out of Christians because I'm just going to be honest with you. Some of the scaredest people I think that I know of the scared to die as Christians. And we're the ones who talks about heaven all the time. If we really believed that was real, I think none of us would be upset if we're getting ready to go there. How many of y'all excited to go on vacation? Oh, now y'all going to get quiet on me. How many of y'all like going on vacation? Well, y'all know heaven's going to be a whole lot better than that. And it's permanent. We don't have to come back to work. Somebody say amen. But I'll tell you right now. I'm telling you. I've learned something these last three years. There's a bunch of Christians scared to death to die. I'm just going to be honest with you. I know that might not be real popular preaching. But I'm. last time I checked. Right when we die is when we really live. He's my light in the darkest of night, my comforter in harrowing times, my friend when I'm alone. He's my strength when I'm weary and my God when I've lost my way. He's the cure for a troubled heart. Jesus should be the object of our faith. He said, believe in me. You got a troubled heart, boys. So here's the first thing I'm going to tell you to get a cure of that. Believe me now. I've just given you some heavy things, but now believe me, just trust me. I know right now you don't understand it all. I know you don't see everything, but he said, I just want you to trust me. Now, I'm probably going to close right there. i got two more points, and as you can see, I don't have time to give them. So maybe we ought to just pick up right back up here on Wednesday next week. Because I don't know about y'all. Have y'all ever had a troubled heart? How many of y'all ever had a troubled heart? Absolutely. We're human, aren't we? Can I, can I just ask, would you be honest right now, and I'm not going to call you out, but how many of you feel like you got a troubled heart right now? I do. So here's our first little bit of medicine tonight. I, every time I hear that, I, I've never heard anything like it. Cora come up to me the other day and she's like, hey, Paw, that fever reducer tastes really good. But I ain't never heard a kid say that. And I've never heard them called a fever reducer. I was always called it Tylenol. And I'm like, man, we got a sharp granddaughter there. And she said it, I mean, so grown up too. She just walked up and she's like, Hey Paw Paw. I was like, Yeah, honey. She's like, I love that fever reducer. It tastes so good. <laughs> here's your first fever reducer tonight. Here's your first heart trouble pill. How many of y'all on cholesterol tonight? I'm now quit preaching, I done got nosy. I'm on it. Well, here's your first dose tonight of a pill. For heart trouble. Even when you don't feel like it. Whatever little faith you have. Trust the Lord in your darkest night. He is the object of our faith. It should never be in people. Because I'm going to tell you right now. People have and will fail you. It should always be in the Lord. He should be the object of our faith. So let's try right there tonight. You might be discouraged, you might be struggling, you might be full of fear, you might have some anxiety. Take that pill tonight, pop it in there, replace it with faith, trust the Lord, even in the darkness. And He'll help you with your troubled heart. And all God's people say it. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Would you bow your heads with me tonight as we close in prayer? But maybe specifically something the Lord's dealt with you about, why don't you take care of it as you talk to Him? Ask Him to help you with it. This first dose tonight, just simply, believe. You believe in me? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in me? There it is. Believe in me. He's worthy of our trust. Heavenly Father, we again thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Now, Lord, I pray you'll do what I cannot do, speak to all of our hearts to help us. If there's folks here with troubled hearts, I pray you will comfort them, help in a very special way. Lord, we know that you are uniquely qualified. You're not only man, you are not only man, but you are God. You're able to do it. You're able to help us. And so I pray you'll do that special work in all of our hearts tonight. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I'm going to put a little plug in. If you're going to miss a Sunday, don't miss this Sunday. Because if you miss this Sunday, you're going to miss a good one. So I'm just going to encourage you to be here. And you say, well, Pastor, you're leaving it suspenseful. Well, you know when those movies end off and it always ends and they get you, hook you so you can watch it again. You, know, you can't wait till the next episode. Well, that's what I'm trying to do. Be here Sunday. Have a great night. God bless you.